Welcome to the Everyday Citizens Tactical Podcast, Episode 7, Fitness, Health, and You. My name is Jeremy, and as always, I will be your host. Today's guest is Larry Wilson, who is an amateur bodybuilder, experienced powerlifter, and an old gym buddy of mine. We're going to dive into the world of lifting and discuss a wide range of tips and tricks for those of all skill levels. As a reminder to everyone, registration is still open for our August 28th Medical Response 1 class in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. So if you're looking for a great training opportunity to give yourself some exposure on life-saving skills, this is the class for you. Without further delay, let's get started. Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder. Yeah. Call me what you wanna, but you can't call me no coward. Yeah. Shrink the numbers, we the people still the ones with power. Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours. Tell me turn it down and I'ma All right, Larry, welcome to the podcast, man. More than happy to be here, man. First one. Yeah, you're de- you are the first episode that covers really anything physical fitness or health-wise, so definitely yeah. uh, definitely going to be a good time. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, you want to go ahead and just give everybody just a general brief rundown about who you are and you know kind of what you do? Yeah, um, so I'm Larry. I'm 22 years old, just graduated from UC. But in terms of fitness-related stuff, um, played football, high school, kind of getting into lifting with that. And then college, I actually was a college cheerleader, so continued to lift, um, you know, use UC strength conditioning coaches and everything, learned a lot from them. And then after my junior year, I decided to compete in both powerlifting and bodybuilding, and that was kind of the big changing mark for me where I just learned a ton. Um, competing taught me a lot in general. And then, yeah, kind of from there, um, Jeremy knows it, but I made a little lifting Instagram, and that's been getting a little more traction just where I deliver as much value to people as I can and kind of pass on what I've learned throughout the years. But yeah, um, outside of that, yeah, graduated in the spring. So I'm working full time at a building company at Fisher Homes. So I'm doing sales there, just started training. So it's definitely a lot to balance with fitness and everything, but not something I'd be willing to give up. Mm-hmm. For those that, that are the ECT followers and not Larry's followers, he has some <laughs> really good edits on his Instagram page. So if you're into the fitness stuff, definitely head over there and kind of give his channel some support. I appreciate it. What uh, what's what's next for you right now? On as far as like the whole fitness journey goes, what do you got your eyes on right now? Um, I would like to compete next year, um, probably towards the end of twenty twenty three. Like I said, I just started work right now, so it's kind of just adjusting to the whole new lifestyle and making sure I can, you know, sure. get the meals and get the training in and making everything make sense. Um, but yeah, previously I was kind of doing a big strength training block. What I like to do overall is just, you know, build up a lot of strength and build that muscle density, and then I'll convert that over to more bodybuilding training so, you know, I can push a lot more reps and everything. If I was doing, you know, 120 dumbbells on bench for five, go through my strength training block, and I'm able to do them for 10, definitely I'll be able to engage more muscle fibers and build kind of that. So I, I usually rotate a lot with training, but kind of more geared towards bodybuilding right now for sure. What's your weight at right now? I am two fifteen in the morning, so getting half there for five. Oh, yeah. And how t- and how tall are you? Five nine, so five nine and two fifteen. Man's a beast, guys. I'm telling you, he's an absolute animal. It's brutal, man. Especially the hot weather right now. Pit stains are not my friend. Oh yeah. For those that don't know, with like bodybuilding and whatnot, it's not it's not common or even I would even say semi regular to compete back to back years in bodybuilding. There's a there's definitely like a gap in between competing. Yeah, especially if you're trying to put on size in general. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I did a small natural show my first time, so 
lost like 30 pounds. Um, I mean, you lose a lot of strength. You keep as much size as you can as a natural. It's definitely hard. Um, but going forward with that, it's important to take, you know, that long off season, put on the quality muscle and everything. So you can actually bring a change of a package next year. In the future, do you see yourself kind of favoring bodybuilding more or powerlifting? Um, probably bodybuilding. It, it really just depends, you know, where life takes me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I can definitely see some of these bodybuilders get a little out of hand with everything. Um, that's kind of what's attractive for me when classic physique, I, I like the look of those guys, you know, they're not complete monsters. They, they still look decent and clothes and everything. Um, so, you know, I definitely want to keep competing, but it, it also depends on life in general. You don't, be, you don't want to be as big as Ryan and red dog. <laughs> It sounds fun, man, but it is it is a hard life when you get big. I've bulked up to like two twenty five before and I know it's only ten pounds, but you can really feel a difference just mm-hmm. walking up the stairs and everything and you know, if I'm gonna be doing this for the next decade or so, it's a it's a dangerous road. It's for sure. Once you start weighing a lot, you know, it, even if it's muscle and you're eating healthy, it's still a lot on your body and organs to process through all that. It's crazy to think back to like where Ryan's physique was like a little over a year and a half ago when he did his show. Dude, and, it's, and where he is now. Every year he gets bigger and bigger. It's it is insane, man. Insane. I think he told me he, he's like 275 right now. That's just absolutely crazy. And he's yeah. not 6'6 or baby. He's, I mean, no. I think he's like 6'1, 6'2. I think he's six foot on the dot, man. Is he? He's, he's not that much taller than me. He, but he's been doing a lot of powerlifting too. He's been doing a ton of powerlifting. He eats that stuff up. Yeah, which would be cool when I see him compete next time. Because there is a huge benefit of you know doing a little bit of both for each. Like um, mm-hmm. overall in powerlifting, you know we're going to see more time between sets, lower volume overall. Um, the sets are going to be geared towards more strength. So and we're at the one one to six rep range for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know building that strength that you can carry it over to bodybuilding. Sure. Um, like I was telling you, you know, pushing past your previous rep marks, you know, if you're training volume, you're still going to get stronger overall, but it helps to specifically have a block for it. Yeah. Uh, I guess that, which kind of leads us into our first topic we got lined up here, which is just kind of the differences between different routines or exercise methods between, you know, just general lifting, hit exercises, power lifting. And I think it's important to differentiate that from just general lifting. Yeah. Um, if you just want to kind of give a general rundown on a few things that, you know, you're kind of educated on and, and the differences between them. Yeah, of course. So kind of like I was just kind of starting off on it anyway, yeah, with powerlifting, like I said, you're going to see more time between your sets and lower volume overall than if you're doing more just lifting your bodybuilding in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and the frequency and order of compounds too, you know, you're going to be putting your compound movements first um, just so you can put full effort for them. Um, all your strength goes towards that rather than, you know, in bodybuilding might pre-exhaust something before hitting a compound. Um, and all your accessories are usually going to be geared towards the type of training you're doing. So if you're doing bot or if you're doing powerlifting, um, basically you're going to figure out what's going to help me improve my compound lifts, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, a supplemental lift. Like if you're doing bench press, you want to do block bench, pe- bench press or, um, for sumo deadlift, a big one I used to do was box squats with that safety bar. For sure. Yeah, and really wide needs. You know, that's going to build just about everything a sumo deadlift does. Um, I, I have definitely noticed in the past if whether it was purposeful or it was, you know, just unfortunate sequence of events that there is a major difference in my strength for my compound lifts if I do them like halfway into my workout or towards the end um, then versus if I do them in the beginning. Like if I go to the gym and I just can't get my compound lifts in because the gym's busy or whatever and I'm forced to do it, 
after three or four um, exercises. I mean, the, the difference is crazy if you're really working out and pushing yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And kind of the, on the other side of that, the benefit of that may be, you know, you're pumped up, you're doing more volume beforehand. So you're able to feel it a little more rather than just trying to push strength. Like mm-hmm. you know, in the squat, you might be able to really isolate, you know, feeling your quads, feeling your hamstrings, feeling your glutes, every little aspect of it. I, mean, but, I know I'm guilty of that mindset. Like I'll, if I do back squats, I'm doing, you know, five by five back squats and I'm like, Oh, I'm pushing, you know, whatever, 425 for five by fives. But if I go do like some goblet squats and some uh, leg extensions and stuff like that first, then I go do my squats. It's not the same. Right. Right. It's a constant battle, but kind of more into that, you know? So like I was saying, if you're found atop your bench press and you're, you're training for powerlifting, your accessories are going to more look like, you know, what's going to build my triceps the most. I don't fail to top of that bench press. So you're going to more focus on like skull crushers, you know, like a close grip Smith machine bench, something that's really going to build some mass and strength for your triceps mm-hmm. just so you can get stronger at that bench. So you're not really worried about, you know, I'm trying to bring up my front delts. I'm trying to bring up, you know, little details within your physique to make it look more balanced and symmetrical and better overall, you're going to do what is best to increase your strength on X, Y, Z lift, bench squat, deadlift, basically. Mm-hmm. And then with, what would you say some of the biggest differences are between powerlifting and then just like your average weightlifter? as far as routines go and stuff like that yeah so like i said compound lifts are going to go first um what do, what do you mean by like average lifter so like your your guy that is not necessarily training for powerlifting or he's not a bodybuilder he's just a guy that goes to the gym for an hour uh four days a week after work um and he's just kind of you know following a program he might have found online or a program that was given to him yeah. for free when he first signed up for the gym just kind of the differences between that like someone that's has a purpose in the gym and has a goal and then a guy that just goes to the gym to stay you know or a girl that stays just trying to stay generally fit yeah i think the ones trying to stay generally fit you have to do stuff that you like you know what what feels the best for you what do you have the most fun doing um and what's shown you the most results so far you know so many people have different injuries like a lot of people can't bench because they have shoulder injuries so they mm-hmm. want to push that kind of realm or you know if they want to get more in shape they'll focus on cardio you know so it's really goal dependent mm-hmm. but i think overall you know just anyone going into the gym i guess they're going to be more focused on what they enjoy the most mm-hmm. more volume overall you know one of the biggest mistakes i probably made when i was first starting out you know just just lifting for fun more so was i would spend so much time just doing every exercise i could i would just turn my head i'd be like a lost squirrel turn my head go to lap pull down go over to the hips you know just bounce around five six sets 10, 15 reps, it would just be insane. I'd say, I'd say I was probably similar, like late high school, right after high school when I was lifting, you know, I would do like eight or nine back exercises in one workout. And I'm like, what am I doing? Right. But that's kind of how we start to fall in love with it. I feel like, you know, you're just having fun there. You're not really, you know, thinking as deep into the science and you know, what movement order do I need to do? And what's the best way to bring up my bicep peak? You know, you're just in there trying to get a sweat on, trying to have fun and just start falling in love with it. And then, you know, as you get more experience, that's when you start researching, you dive in, you know, I want to do powerlifting, I want to do bodybuilding, I want to start doing some hit, I need to lose some weight, you know, it just, everybody has a different start, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, for the most part, at least for your, your general person we're talking about, it probably is better to start your, you know, lifting or exercise journey with no goal. I agree. 
because then you're a lot more open-minded and you get exposed to a lot more things. Right. And then you see what you enjoy the most and then you shift your goal around what you enjoy the most. You know, what do you spend the most time doing? Um, what are you thinking about what before you lift, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever done anything like hit CrossFit, you know, those, you know, those more high intensity, um, style workouts. So when I was in my big fat loss phase for the show, I was doing some hit towards the end. I mean, just that high intensity interval training, right? So you're going to be doing lots of supersets, mm-hmm. lots of body weight exercises, and overall just, you know, higher intensity for shorter duration. Um, it's really great for burning calories and getting in shape. I wouldn't say it's ideal for, you know, maintaining and building as much muscle as possible, but the goal is to, you know, shed fat, get in shape. And at the end of the day, you know, cardiovascular shape is what's going to keep us alive the longest out of anything the healthiest forms. So mm-hmm. I definitely think hit has a huge place, you know, more for just the general health phase. Mm-hmm. Most of the people that probably come here from your side are all probably like bodybuilders or powerlifters. And most of the people that are here from uh, our following are, you know, military first responders, the tactical civilians, things like that. Um, do you think there's a, do you think there's a good correlation between those that lift like powerlifters, but their cardiovascular side is more, you know, hit, um, more hit focused or do you think that kind of contradicts each other too much? I don't see they necessarily contradict each other too much. Um, It kind of depends. You know, if you're training for a powerlifting comp, you're not going to be wanting to do too much cardio. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're trying to, a lot of powerlifters try to keep as much weight as possible, you know, because weight moves weight at the end of the day too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I feel like for more of your followers that might be listening to this, I think hit is fantastic because cardio is huge for you guys and endurance and, really just probably higher volume training with little rest time and supersets and stuff just to make you guys be able to go, go, go and, mm-hmm. you know, withstand anything. But having that balance between, you know, doing a little bit of a hit, a little bit of bodybuilding training, a little bit of powerlifting training is going to shift you and make you kind of full circle bulletproof, which I think would be great for everybody that listens on your end. I th- And for me, you know, I, I find that my powerlifting style lifts – transfer over to my hit and cardiovascular side and my like operational side a lot more. Cause I am by no means a power lifter for everybody that's listening, but I, right. I lift like one. I, I like my five by fives. I like my, uh, high intensity, low rep sets. Like I, I like lifting like that, but I feel, I feel like the explosiveness that comes from training like that training, like power lifters do transfers over very well to hits specifically for like the guys that do, um, different types of martial arts or, you know, things like that. There, there's an explosiveness that comes from both of those that I think comes together well. Yeah. How have you noticed, um, I guess in your training, the people that you train with um, outside of the gym, um, how has your training in the gym improved and altered that? Because you, um, you definitely have some firsthand experience with how it's impacted, I'm sure. Yeah. Are you, are you talking about how has it affected my guys or how does my lifting style affect everything I do outside of the gym? Uh, your style affect everything you do outside of the gym because uh, what you do outside of the gym, you also have, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a number of guys that you're helping train as well. Yeah. So, um, it's, that's not necessarily a hard question, but I'm trying to think of how to explain it because I work out. So I have so many different workouts that I do that could even be within a single day day so it's kind of hard for me to narrow in and be like this in the gym correlates or does not benefit this in a sense like if that that makes sense like there are days like where i'll go on a conditioning hike with 
50, 60, 70 pounds of gear with my guys and we'll go hike the hills and the trails. And then mm-hmm. after that, I'll, I'll go lift chest and tries oh, or, man. Or, or just, you know, or I, there's days where I'll go do legs after that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then, then you really feel the fatigue trying to do any compound lifts. Yeah. I mean, so I've always, for probably a good three or four years now, I've constantly put myself into this kind of method of just constant, I wouldn't even call it exhaustion, but constant, like just pushing exposure because my body isn't necessarily used to going to just the gym and just lifting weights. My my body has no idea what we're doing first today. Um, and that could be, that could be from, you know, getting off a 24 hour shift at the firehouse, going straight to the gym on my way home and then coming home and doing farm chores for eight or nine hours or going to a training on a Saturday morning with my guys on the tactical side and then going to the gym. And, you know, so it's, and then even back when I was doing martial arts a lot more heavily, you know, I would go to the gym. And that, that in itself is a workout, you know, that's a lot. Oh, I, I, yeah, I used to, (laughs) there was a period of time where I actually questioned, stopped. I questioned if I would stop lifting before I'd go to like a jujitsu class because I was so, I was so cooked. I liked it because I was exhausted, like when we got to sparring and stuff at the end and rolling and whatnot, because yeah. it, it really made me focus more on my technique and whatnot than it would me just trying to out out strength everybody. Um, so, do you get worried about overtraining at all? How many days a week are you going to the gym right now? Uh, right now, like a like five, but that's only because I'm just so heavy on like the new homestead and farm chores since I just moved into this house. Yeah, no, five's a ton. I'm only going four right now. Yeah, but on a normal basis, I'll, I'll go probably six days. I'll probably go six days a week. I'll lift three days, and then I'll take mm-hmm. a rest day, and then I'll lift three days. But nice. that rest day doesn't necessarily mean like it's a rest day. I could still be doing some sort of training like on the tactical side. I could be doing chores. I could like, I don't know how to rest. I really don't. And that's not me being <laughs> like, arrogant or anything. It sounds like. I just, I, I don't know how to stop. Like if I, like last night, me and my girlfriend sat down on the couch because it was, it was raining outside. And about 15 minutes into us sitting down watching a show, I'm like, what can I do that's productive right now? I I can relate to that a ton. It, it doesn't always have to be physical, but I have to be doing something or else my mind just goes crazy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's a great characteristic for us to have. You know, We just got to learn where to focus that too. For sure. And I don't necessarily suggest to anybody that you develop – a habit of just running yourself to death all the time because there are times where I crash. Once I hit about the three week mark of 15, 16 hour days, almost every single day of the week, there will be, there will come one day where I just crash hard and then I just have to recoup. And then like a day later, I'll, I'll start the process all over again. Absolutely. Not, and it's not meant for everybody. Um, and that's not a, you know, someone that does that is more mentally stronger or, you know, better than so-and-so or whatever. Um, just everybody, everybody, whether it's fitness, health, you know, your just mindset in general, everybody operates differently. And just because one guy does one thing one way and another guy does it the other way doesn't mean one of them is wrong. Absolutely. I do feel like it is important, you know, overall for somebody to have some type of outlet in the fitness industry. It does. It could literally be yoga, you know, just mm-hmm. going to walk, something they consistently do on a weekly basis that they can count on. That's not going to change no matter what life throws at them. For sure. And speaking of yoga, I, I need to get back into yoga again. <laughs> I really like yoga. I, really. I love it, dude. I just started going again for the first time. I've been going to hot yoga that the body alive place. It is yeah. crazy. 
I used to do when I was in Africa the first time I went to Africa part of my routine because I'm just stuck there for a year straight so it's the same thing every day part of my routine was as soon as I would wake up I would do 20 minutes of yoga I had this YouTube video that I always watched it was the same routine every day but I would set up a little mat you know right outside my um, bunk and I would do 20 minutes of yoga and I felt really good and then when I left Africa it's kind of been a constant like on and off thing. Like I do it for a week or two and then I break the habit. I do it for a week or two and I break it's the habit. It's really important, especially for the people that are, are lifting and continuing to push themselves. You know, if you're not stretching constantly, the bigger you get, the less flexible you get. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed it a ton, you know, if my shoulders grow and I can barely like scratch my back, it's, it's horrible. So yeah, know, if I don't do yoga and stretching, it's, you know, we get into fitness because we do want to be healthy and a, a better functioning human, right? You know, to mm-hmm. some degree. And you get bigger and bigger. Sometimes your ability to move and do normal things, it's definitely hindered. For sure. And then for, you know, my side of guys listening, the first responders, the tactical guys, all that kind of stuff, being big and strong and being, uh, you know, just an absolute monster. The gym is awesome. But we have to remember that we have to also be dynamic. We need to be able to put our bodies into weird positions to be able to perform. We need to be able to do those long distance hikes and whatnot. You know, we have to be able to do more than five by fives and then take a nap on the bench. Right. I I think kind of going off of that, it's important to have the mindset of you want to get as big and crazy as possible while you're in the gym. And then when you're hiking, you know, you want to get as in best cardio shape as possible. And then that kind of stuff just equals each other out. So you're not going to get enormously big if you're keeping up with your rucking and cardio and hiking and all the other aspects of that, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't get how I still have uh, little love handles with as much as I do. <laughs> I well, not, what are you eating now, Jeremy? Huh? Oh, yeah, my eating hasn't been the best. Yeah, I, I, diet is a big part of it. We're talking diet about is huge. training right now. Well, I, I guess we'll go ahead and jump into that. Cause yeah, that, dude, no rush. I'm cool with whatever. That's a, that's a good topic, just in general. Um, yeah. diet, diet, people don't understand how much diet really matters. Oh, it's huge, dude. It is huge. And people, the one thing that I've come to learn is the whole, the whole 80, 20 thing. You know what I'm talking about? The fab eat good 80% of the time, eat bad 20% of the time is only somewhat applicable to the general person. If you have goals that you're trying to accomplish, whether that's build muscle mass, uh, lose fat, you know, do X, Y, Z, your, your diet has to be pretty much to the T. There is no, I do it sometimes, I don't do it sometimes. Right, and body type comes into I mean, we all know those guys that can smack McDonald's five times a week and still have ab veins or something, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it depends a lot on your body type too. But general of thumb, yeah, you're, you're always going to reach more of a potential eating those whole foods. Do you want to uh, hit on that at all? We didn't really have that on the list, but we can hit on that if you're able to speak on that, the three body types. Um. Yeah, so – Make sure I do everything right. So it can be rather general. Yeah. So I mean, we have our endomorphs, which is I'm pretty sure you know shorter stature, wider frame. They're going to carry more body fat in general. And then our exo is going to be more opposite. Um, or yeah. So endo is going to be yeah higher composition of body fat, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so is one, one way or the other. I always get these ones confused, but somebody's going to be able to carry more fat generally, and the others are going to be, you know, the McDonald's eaters that can just shred it like crazy. And if I if I remember correctly, endos are those that carry more body fat. The yes, ec- the ectos are the ones that are normally naturally leaner, and then mesos are the people that just 
they eat whatever the hell they want. They always look good. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. I know I'm an endo through and through. Yeah, I would. I, I've changed a lot. I know, like you can kind of make your body and metabolism change a bit. I've probably started off as an ectomorph, and I've probably altered into a mesomorph. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. If you look at like your old pictures, you were definitely more of an ecto. Absolutely. Um, and then now, probably now yeah. at this point, you're a meso. But there was definitely some some endo there. A hundred percent, and it's that's the hardest thing. I mean, an endomorph is really hard to you know lose the fat and get things going with that. Ecto, vice versa, it's hard to put on weight. You know, that was my biggest struggle when I was starting to, you know, get into the gym. I couldn't put on weight. I remember I would try to in high school. I'd try to eat something every class period, and then I'd have lunch too. That's crazy. Something as small as like a peanut butter sandwich, or maybe just you know some almonds. And I wasn't tracking calories. I was just like you know eat as much as possible of, of whole foods. I've always known, you know, whole foods are going to be best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what forced me to that. And then that got me, you know, a little bit overweight and more on the bulky side. And that's when I dove more into actual, you know, nutrition knowledge and mm-hmm. cycling and tracking calories and everything to that degree. If, if I breathe, I gain weight. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I want to taking this homemade bread and stuff. I see. I do yeah. like me some homemade bread. Yeah, that, that, that is the balance between trying to be like a, a good old Southern boy and do my home cooking and then trying to manage my diet at the same time. There is there is a balance that I have yet to figure out. Oh, dude, it, that and I mean, you could probably, you know, be strategic with your placing. Like if you know um, you're going on a big hike and you're also going to the gym that day, you could probably get away with some banana bread. You know, you're going to mm. be super low on calories because you're burning so much off. And then a day, you know, when you have a little more chill day, you're just working out, maybe eat leaner. That's kind of what I mean with carb cycling. So for me, I'll have like a a high day on my training days where I'll, you know, keep protein and fats the same, but I'll bump up carbs, especially post training. And, you know, that's basically self-explanatory. I'm going to use those carbs for energy. So I am working out that day. So I need more energy. Um, And then on the off days, I'll do more of a low, low calorie day where I'll cut the carbs, you know, 50, a hundred grams, maybe lower the fat 10 grams. And, um, just leaner overall, you know, get a little hungrier. I'm not using the, as much because uh, I'm not working out and burning those extra calories and I don't need the extra energy to fuel it. And then um, kind of going on top of that is the next step would be like a refeed day or a even higher calorie day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll usually throw those on whatever my legging muscle group is. Um, so right now it's legs for sure. So after leg day, that's when I'll throw like a free meal on. Um, I'll have like a hundred more carbs in my training days. That'll stay still the same. Um, just pushing the more calories mm-hmm. and that's like I said you know I try to center most of my carbs pre and post workout because we're able to put those more towards the muscle especially you know the whole anabolic window crap is a little BS like 30 minutes after but your body is pretty primed after a workout to you know muscle or um, like muscle partitioning and everything you know when you're eating you're able to send a little more to the right areas I feel like so that's when I'll kind of have my bigger calorie fattier meals post workout do you think it's more important? What do you think is more important? What you eat before a workout or what you eat after a workout? Probably before because um, it's really important. You don't want to do something that's going to bloat you or be hard to digest. You need to find, you know, I'll try to have lower car- or lower fats in general pre-workout. Um, mm-hmm. Fats digest a little slower, uh, make us a little tired, honestly. But carbs, um, I personally always stick to like a cream of rice or like a rice base just because I digest those super fast, 
I know I'm not going to have stomach issues. I know I'm not going to be bloated. Mm-hmm. I can eat 40 minutes before the gym and feel completely like empty, but still full and ready to go when I get there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. You know, we've all had those workouts where we ate right before or mm-hmm. you know, smacking a Chipotle burrito across the street from the gym and going to lift. I mean, those are some of the worst lifts. It always sounds like a good idea, but you're bloated and full and you got to take extra rest. And if you're, if you're using a belt, you got to loosen that thing up too. For sure. Yeah, I definitely can tell a difference in my workouts depending on what I've eaten in the day so far or, or even what I've eaten right before. Right. And I, I feel like, you know, we can't always choose when we work out. You know, I would love to work out at like 4 p.m. every day, but work and life in general doesn't really allow that. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to be strategic with your meals too. You know, if, if you're a guy that's waking up, like you're a 5 a.m. lifter, you're waking up super in the, early in the morning and you can't really digest or stomach a, a big meal before. I mean, I don't blame them. I couldn't eat a bunch of eggs or something at 4 a.m. and go to the gym. Um, so you kind of have to be smart with that. You're going to have to eat something right before you get to bed, um, you know, more calories so that you can then use that right when you wake up. But somebody that's working out in the evening, definitely more ideal because you get those three or four meals in and, you know, you're able to fuel your body a little bit and feel much better. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to note as we talk about, you know, all of this that, having body fat or having abs or not having abs and all that is not, you know, perfect indicators of what your physical fitness is or your physique is necessarily sense, maybe more physique, but not your physical fitness. Like just because you don't have abs doesn't mean you're not fit. No. One of the unhealthiest times in my life is when I had the most shredded abs ever. Um, I mean, I got blood work done after my show and my hormones were tanked. Um, I was all screwed up. I mean, it is, it's tough and really not necessary to get that lean. Mm-hmm. Unless you are doing it for a show and for that reason, and that's a, a personal choice at the end of the day that I made. Um, but in terms of healthiest, I mean, it's good to have a little bit of fat on you and pushing calories. Mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely a balance, and I think everybody knows that balance and understands their body a little bit. Now, that doesn't no. mean you got to be just an absolutely massive fat pig. That's what I'm, I'm just, saying. You got to understand, like, you know, when you know when you're eating garbage and you're getting a little more mm-hmm. belly fat versus. You know, this is I'm eating a healthy amount of calories and also working out, doing a little bit of cardio, and you know I don't have shredded abs, but it's okay because I feel great. For sure, I I, I remember in the two points two points in life when I graduated Marine Corps boot camp, which I already went from about 240 down to 180 to go to boot camp, and then I yeah. left boot camp at 160, and I still did not have abs. Right, and that is just unhealthy weight loss for the most part. I'm sure that is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, the beforehand was, was good because that was probably over a span of like 14 months. Okay. That makes me feel better. I but was bo- like, <laughs> but boot camp, yeah, that, last, that last 15, 20 minutes of boot camp, that's just straight survival mode. Right. I had my my buddy Diego. Uh, you might know him from Dixie. I know Diego, yeah. Yeah. Younger guy. But he, lost, he did the same thing. He went to boot camp and he was only able to eat, you know, like two MRE small meals a day. And he said it was just brutal. And he was just running five miles every morning and couldn't work out. And he said he was feeling like garbage and lost so much weight. And I freaking felt horrible. But another kind of point of this is we do have some muscle memory. So when he came back and he got the food on point again, and was training. It came back way, way faster than previously. For sure. For sure. For sure. And then even then towards the end of my first time in Africa, in which I was in Africa for a year, the first time was probably the, probably the best condition I've ever been in in general. Uh, I was about 195, but I was still squatting over 400, deadlifting over 400. 
um, benching 365, I think, when I left Africa the first time. Yeah, and I was 195. I was fairly lean. My cardio was good. But again, even then, I, I barely had a glimpse of abs. So but you were, that that sounds like a very healthy spot to be in. Overall. I was. I, my, my, my diet was everything. I was doing yoga. I was stretching. Yeah. I was very well balanced in like all of my fitness. But once you do it for a while, you know the feeling of like, okay, I'm doing stuff right. I feel great. Like you wake up, you're energized, you're feeling healthy, your digestion, you know, bowel movement everything's on point you can tell when you're running at full speed mm-hmm. but if you if you've been going years of neglecting your body and you know all the different horrible things out there we can eat and drink nowadays um some people don't know what it feels like to feel good you know and they yeah. think the normal is good yeah which um, is something you know i think in general i mean not really my account specifically but something i think i would love to put the message out there to try to people so they can experience that feeling of actually feeling good because once you experience that i mean it's 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 easy to stick with stuff mm-hmm. and, and your mental and your mental status can really take a toll too if you've been on track for a while and you're feeling good and then you have that moment of weakness where all right you kind of fell behind for a couple of weeks yeah. and you start to feel crappy like that you can really tell right or going through injuries or something or injuries are a big one yourself and be like, man, I used to look like that. I mean, it's discouraging. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Being, being someone that's been around, um, the kind of the fitness world, whether you're a power lifter, whether you're a military guy, whether you're a bodybuilder, when you've been around for a while, that's really more mentally hard than getting started. I think, cause you constantly are like, this is what I used to do, or this is what I was at one point, or how do I get to this? Yeah, and and your body's like you said, like your body has adjusted to things both in a in a good way and a bad way. Yeah, um, sometimes it can be really hard to break physical barriers. Um, you know, like if you're if you're a guy that really likes breaking your own PRs, like PRs are your thing. You just want to be as strong as possible. You're it's eventually dangerous. you're eventually going to hit a point where you naturally cannot hit any more PRs. Like you you're at your body's limit. Yeah, I'm feeling that right about now. <laughs> and as um, soon as it's training styles, I can't hit the same, you know. Or, you know, you this one day in this one condition at this one place, you were just everything was aligned and yep. you hit a PR and nothing's changed in the two or three weeks since then, but now you can't hit that PR and it's just it's a mental game. Um it you is. kinda you have to let it not bother you. The best advice I have for that, because that is such a true thing, I think everybody, you know, with a couple years of experience really starts to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, the best advice with that is I always look back at when I first started and I'd be like, holy crap, even though I'm not at my peak, look how far I've came, you know, mm-hmm. whether physically or strength or I mean, physique or strength, it, it, it's crazy. And that's, that's the one thing I do, even in other aspects of life, just look back and see how far you came. You know, if you're getting hard on yourself, caught up in the moment, it's just been go, go, go. It, it is cool to reflect a little bit. And, you know, for the newer guys or even the guys that are already in it, you know, take pictures, take videos. Puns, um, yeah. You People make fun of people that take pictures or take videos. Like, oh, look at this guy. Oh, take yeah. pictures of himself. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> Go ahead. that helps you so much in the long run, whether it's just, you know, result comparison, motivation, like anything like that. Who cares what somebody thinks? Take pictures. Yeah, take and videos. it's hard. It's so much harder when you're starting out and, you know, you don't have – people supporting you and they're just like dude what are you doing or especially mm-hmm. if you post them you know if you're keeping yourself it's one thing um but if you end up trying to post them or doing anything fitness fitness related content it's really hard to get started honestly um 
I remember I made mine in high school and I actually deleted it when I came freshman year of college because I was just like meeting new people and they would just be looking me up and giving me shit. I was like, dude, I can't do this, trying to meet new friends and stuff. And mm-hmm. it up on a little bit and it threw me off track um, a lot in fitness and I didn't take as many pictures for those two years, which I really regret. Mm-hmm. Who knows you know, what type of growth I could have had on socials too if I stuck with it. Uh, the biggest thing that I, that I really like is looking back on videos, uh, specifically for my form. Like yeah. looking back at like like when I used to deadlift hard. Like if I look at videos of me deadlifting from like 2018, and then I look <laughs> at videos of me deadlifting from you know 2020, 2021 before I hurt my back, I'm like, wow, the the, the difference in my form is insane. It's cool. It is really cool. And it doesn't have to be in lifting, you know, if like we were talking about yoga before, if you're into yoga, you know, look at your form when you first started but form now, mm-hmm. you know, finding another way you can progress in life other than work related stuff is a really cool outlet to have. And you know what? It's fun. You know, putting a little it bit is. of music over a cool PR video and just, like if that's <laughs> what it, it's cool to kind of, you know, boast your own ego a little bit sometimes and just it's, have some self-confidence. You, you have to be proud of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a good environment, whether it's on social media or that's in a gym, the people around you will be supportive. Uh, you know, they're gonna be, oh, dude, that's awesome. Look at that. Oh, that's a sick edit, man. Or you know, you're looking really good. Like, you want to surround a, yourself with positive influence. That's a good point. There are so many gyms and people to follow and friends to have. Don't be afraid to leave a situation, leave a gym if you're not finding that type of support because it is out there, different places. You just mm-hmm. have to find it. Or create it, you know, change the whole atmosphere where you're at in your friend group or, you know, change your gym atmosphere, whatever it takes. You know, if you're more confident in that, you can definitely change a whole area. For sure. Like Dixie, I really like Dixie's environment. 100%, dude. Everybody there is supportive. I mean, everybody, you know, it's at times they keep to themselves, get their stuff done. It's a way people don't, they, I don't think they have to feel like they're being judged ever and they can really be themselves. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, go certain hours a day, everybody's screaming and hyping you up and it's crazy. For sure. Yeah, I definitely miss Dixie. I wish it was a little bit closer to me because Dixie is is probably hands down my favorite gym I've ever been to, and I've lifted it's in a lot cool. of different states. It's pretty cool, and it's the funny thing because it's underneath an old bowling alley. We don't even have a sink. I mean, we don't even have a working faucet for for filling up our water bottles. It's it's crazy. And, and you know, all of the <laughs> all of the equipment in there, it isn't brand new. It isn't state of the art, but like there was just something about that place. Dude, it just hits different. It does. Mm-hmm. The old equipment will change you. I told I, I told you like a week or so ago, you know, I went back to Crunch just trying to yeah. find a gym and I, I was disgusted just like immediately. I was like, yeah. this is horrible. The equip the um, thing that really really got me going at first, I was like, this equipment just feels horrible. Yeah, and it's slippery. A lot of the a lot of the um, commercial gyms are so slippery, man. If you're on the benches trying to get set up and really dig in a good form and get your lats tight and everything, man. I, I slip and slide all over the place and I can't be doing that with a lot of weight on the bar. You know, it's dangerous. That's exactly what happened to me. Cause me and my girlfriend went and we were doing chess together and I felt like I was literally teeter tottering back and forth trying to bench. And I was and still doing, too. yeah, I was still doing warm ups at two twenty five, And I was like, I was like, I'm going to hurt myself. Cause I'm a fall off one of the sides of this bench. Right, dude. Right. And it's crazy. And, you know, half the time you're not allowed having chalk or anything in there. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of restrictions. But, you know, that's not bashing commercial gyms. They're definitely okay, there, around here. There are good commercial gyms uh, for sure. And, you know, a, cert, a certain brand um, 
or you know business of gyms one may be may be better than the other like the location may very heavily different and who manages those gyms will make a big hundred percent because and also the environment in general like we said the people can really change their environment so just because you know one crunch is horrible environment and not very fun to go to another one might be awesome for you super encouraging and everything mm-hmm. else like the like uh for all the local people listening the the newport crunch is a thousand times better than the florence crunch yeah i would agree with that i used to train at the newport crunch a lot like off and on with dixie and i loved it it was just it just gets crowded i mean that's my only complaint and yeah and it gets crowded <laughs> yeah if i if i gotta wait more than 45 minutes for a piece of equipment i get pretty frustrated Ooh, yeah i mean you can get a workout done in 45 minutes mm-hmm. especially when it's like one person that's using that equipment yep for everybody listening, I promise you don't need 45 minutes to bench. Nope. You don't. Time is so freaking precious, man. You can't stand it waiting around for something at the rack. I mean, it's. Now, if you're in a private gym and, you know, you and two or three buddies are doing, you know, some sort of uh, training specifically for like a bench comp you got coming up or something like that, like that's understandable. But if you're in a public gym, you don't need 45 minutes to bench. Right. I mean, there's always situations that make sense. Um, and at the, at the same time, you know, it only takes a couple words to ask if you can hop in with them or something. Most people are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of, I guess, that goes into one of the points you were going to talk about is, is gym etiquette. What are, what are some of the big, the big gym etiquette unspoken rules that you think are most important for really just anybody? <laughs> Definitely rack the weights. That's Rack your fun. damn weights. <laughs> First thing that comes to my head for sure. Um, other than that, I mean, so, you know, try to be clean, you know, if you're sweating like crazy, maybe clean it up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. definitely it's easy to get away with that Dixie, but I, it's something I've been trying to work on with how hot it gets in there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say be positive. You know, a lot of people come in the gym as more of a dark place or sometimes, you know, they're, they're battling their demons or whatever's going on. You know, it, it never hurts to talk to people. I mean, some people just want to, you know, throw the headphones in and keep them themselves. And that, that's fine sometimes, but, you know, just look friendly, be nice. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you do have the time and somebody needs help, you might be changing their entire life, man. Like, you go in there and show them how to do things, give them 10 minutes of the day and give them a couple tips on how to train and a couple diet tips. I mean, they might take that and run with it and research and completely get obsessed in, in some aspect of fitness. I mean, you never know. For sure, especially if you're a guy that's been lifting around for a while and, you know, like that newer guy, that younger guy asks you to spot him and you notice something, you're like, hey, man, I noticed this. You should try, you know, doing this with your feet instead of this. Like they really, they, as long as you do it in a good manner and you're positive about it and you're not like demeaning them, a lot of those guys will really, really um, be appreciative and kind of be like, oh, that was cool. You know, like that guy, that guy gave me some advice. Like that was pretty neat. And then they go on and they do the same thing for newer guys in the future. Yep. It's a cycle. And that's the whole point, man. That, I think that is something that definitely needs to be talked about in this little section right there. Um, I'd say probably one of the biggest unspoken gym etiquette rules that I think needs to be emphasized more is being uh, space cognizant. Because there are some people we're talking about. There are some people that use either entirely too much space or entirely in too much equipment at once. Um, supersets are cool. I think they're very important for different aspects. But supersets are like normally like two exercises back to back, maybe three if it doesn't require a lot of equipment. Your superset is not six different exercises using four pieces of equipment. 
Yeah. Uh, um, and that's not going to be a useful training method at all either. No. You know, your, your supersets is just two two movements going on, and you could do a giant set if you really want to and have three going on. But, I mean, that's pushing it. I mean, you need, you need reason. Or, you know, if you're doing hit, you can superset a lot of bodyweight stuff, but, you know, that's space cognitive too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it's less of, you know, not that it's not necessarily beneficial or not beneficial for you too, but it's it's respectful, especially specifically in the public gyms where, you know, everybody is trying to get a workout in and everybody only has so much time in the gym. And if you're utilizing multiple pieces of equipment for a really extended period of time because you're just alternating between pieces of equipment constantly, um, that's not fair to everybody else because everybody else pays the membership just like you do. How do you feel about music? I know I know some gyms let you plug in and some people have their own music going. Oh, I actually made a post about this on my the owner operator personal page of mine. Um, I like music. I like my music loud as you know absolute hell. However, when I play <laughs> on the stereo, I try to be somewhat cognizant of that because I know there are some people who do want to listen to their own music in their own headphones. And if I'm playing the speaker louder than your headphones in your ears, that's a problem. Yeah, especially with the music you play too. We're freaking screaming. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and you know, you kind of got to read the room. If yeah, there's you, a time and place. There's a time and place. If it's you and three other dudes who are there to just absolutely sling weight, and you know that, that's the time to just you know go bonkers in the gym. But if it's yeah. you and you know like a you know a fitness mom, and then this other guy that's just getting in the gym, whatnot, you blaring metal in the gym and just running around like an animal is not necessarily always the best environment um and it's not necessarily a welcoming environment to other people um so be cognizant uh, and another thing is at least when i'm playing on the loudspeaker i read the room play music that you think everybody might enjoy the number one thing i hate is when people play some dumb mumble crap uh mumble rap crap and i'm like wanting to just blow my <laughs> brains out when i'm trying to lift I just thought, I think another good gym etiquette one is don't be weird, especially with like girls and stuff. I go to some commercial gyms. Oh and just, man, I can't believe crazy. I haven't, I didn't make that as part of that post. Some crazy, some crazy stuff go on. I mean, Please. it's not, it's not a, a place to hit on somebody. Like you're coming there to focus. And if you're, if, if you're doing a tip that you think somebody is open to a tip, or like you said, you're spotting somebody, that's one thing, but going around and just starting some BS conversation does nothing, but usually piss people off. So that that's that's this is a good talking point we've probably discussed because I've noticed on social media for both guys and girls it is almost perfectly split 50-50 between people that say you should approach them in the gym and people say you shouldn't approach them in the gym. Right. I've, I've seen a lot of like female fitness social media where they're like, "Oh, why, it, is, why isn't my crush come hit on me yet?" <laughs> that's just for the views man it's gotta be because i'm like it has to be your crush you know and like they might have one crush out of the hundreds of people that go to the gym so people see that and if they're not the crush then she's gonna go complain about it so uh, i don't know it definitely it's it's a fine it's a fine line to walk yeah i think you know you have to have a reason to say something like you know it's one thing if you like follow each other on social media and you're noticing you know, you have something in common and then you want to go talk. That's one thing. But if it's like completely random, not training related, that's yeah. a whole nother ball game. And if anything, it should at least be, look at us. We're out here giving dating advice now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm single, so I'm probably not the best. <laughs> if, if you, if you do, in my opinion, if you have intentions of hitting on your gym crush, whether you're a guy or a girl, 
The first <laughs> yeah, time you talk to that individual bad. should not be you hitting on them. <laughs> or probably at the gym. Or, I mean, if, if the only place you see them is the gym, maybe. Yeah. It needs to be very, very, very general conversation. It needs to be gym related. Like, there's no indication that like you're trying to hit on them. You want to or become maybe, familiar you know, at the water with them. At the water fountain or walking in, or I mean, wait for a good moment. Don't like yeah, wait get of a bend for some shit. Get a couple. Oh, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Get a couple of those in before you're like, hey, so Snapchat. What is it? <laughs> yeah, talking person is probably better than the ghost DM too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't also don't do that. Don't don't find their social media and then DM them, because that's even weirder than approaching them in the gym and just hitting on them. And then when you see them in the gym, it's definitely <laughs> it's just awkward. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not talking from experience here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, don't be weird in the gym. Just, uh, just in general, that's just a general tip. Don't be weird. Glad we touched on that. Glad we touched that. That probably needed to be touched on. I can't believe I haven't thought of that sooner. Uh, yeah, I needed some love. It. Um, what else, what else you got in mind? Let's see. As far as gym etiquette, I think we've pretty much hit the. No, the I'm big talking ones. in general. Oh, in general. What would you say for those that are listening right now that either have lifted in the past but never seriously, or they or they don't really have a fitness journey that they're on in a sense, what would be your number one tip to them? Or what would be some of your, your best tips for, for newcomers? I would say, you know, start as small as possible in stuff that you sustain and like kind of going along with, I said before stuff that you're going to have fun with doing. Um, don't start off trying to train six days a week and download my fitness pal and try to track your macros. Um, you know, if you're going from eating out every meal, don't expect to home cook every meal, you know, start off small three or four days a week training um, through the movements you enjoy and get better at those movements. You don't need to be changing everything every single session and tricking the muscles. I mean, that doesn't really work. Um, sure. And just try to eat at home as much, you know, even if you are, aren't eating the healthiest foods as possible, home cooked meals are just going to be a little bit better than a lot of our out to eat options. So just forcing yourself to cook some home cooked meals, I think would be a good start in general. And then I mean, there's tons of good food charts um, all around. Or if anybody listening to this wants a quality food chart, I'll DM it to you. Um, but from there, you know, finding quality foods that you can cook from home. And even if you're not tracking your macros and everything, just eating three, four, five meals composed of, you know, whole quality foods and then maybe throw a shake or two in there, great pace to start. You'll see tons of results off of that. And then, you know, if, you, if you're happy with the progress you're making, no need to push it. And if you're starting to kind of get more in depth with it, look into how to track your food. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wouldn't encourage anybody to start off, you know, aggressively tracking food. That can be cause, you know, mental issues, um, all types of food issues. I think, you know, you have to find something you're going to enjoy and sustainable. Um, if you love ice cream, maybe have once a week that you're still going to get that ice cream in. Mm-hmm. There's ways to make stuff work where you can still see results. And then take it from there. You know, I've, yeah, some of the guys in my life that have asked me for advice or whatever, and, you know, I'm not a qualified nutritionist or anything, but, you know, whenever we try to start them off or anything, you know, give them their little program or whatnot, I'm like, hey, just try to hit this um, calorie intake. Don't worry about your macros, you know, let's just hit this calorie intake. And when people try to generally start eating healthier and and hitting a a calorie intake um, goal, they realize, like, how hard it is to eat healthy while taking in. A significant amount of calories oh it's way harder yeah way harder yeah tell somebody to eat four thousand calories of whole foods and healthy a healthy diet man it is tough 
I've even had I've even had to try to get guys you know to eat like twenty four twenty five hundred calories in healthy foods and they can't yeah. they can't and that, that's what I was talking about you have to build your like going from you know me starting off as an ecto maybe moving to a mezzo you have to train your body to you know want more food and digest that food well like you can feeding yourself a lot more might even help in a weight loss journey if you're used to eating two meals a day like one little small one at you know, 2 p.m. you skip breakfast and you're eating a big one before bed and kind of splurging a little bit mm-hmm. and you're wondering why you're not losing weight even though you took in 1,700 calories, your your body's just sitting and waiting and then you, you lump some of some dirty food and you're processing it horribly. Mm-hmm. Feed yourself, you know, you could be even if you're used to 1,700, maybe 2,500 calories and you're doing smaller meals across the day, you know, protein shake and a rice cake, um, actual, you know, whatever – lean protein and a good carb source and doing those, you know, three or four meals across the day instead of one or two, you're going to see weight loss happen rapidly. Your body's constantly digesting and increasing its metabolism and um, kind of just your maintenance calories of what your body's going to burn in general are going to increase. For sure. And that was kind of my biggest thing for my show. Like you kind of have a prep before your diet prep. Like you want to get your body digesting the max amount of food as fast and quickly as possible while staying as lean as possible. And the way to do that is slowly building up your quality foods at a comfortable pace and then taking it down from there. Um, some people try to hop right in a fat loss phase, already not eating a ton of calories, and then just try to you know correct their calories and eat healthier but still less food. And that most likely won't necessarily work. You got to feed your body up to get to the point where you can then feed it down. Yeah. Uh, for anybody that has never – tracked with the eater or done uh or track their macros or anything like that it, it's it's a hustle um and, you know and just doing the small things like i'm gonna make sure i eat a protein with every meal and i'm gonna try to incorporate more fruits and vegetables like just setting yourself up with that base will help you a lot in the long run because if it is a couple months from now and you're like all right i'm gonna start counting my macros if you fall off of that but you're in your routine of getting good protein in during the day and you eat your fruits and vegetables naturally then you know you're not going to see as much of a drop off as if you were to revert back to what you used to do. Yeah, um, I think it's. I would say another big thing for newcomers yeah, to realize you're better. You're gonna like I was talking about. People don't know what it's like to feel great. Sometimes you're gonna start feeling better and performing better at what you do on a daily basis and want to eat the healthy foods more. You just have to give it a chance and a chance that you're actually gonna stick to. I mean, you can't try something for a month and give up on it. You know. Mm. Another big thing I would say for new people is to be cautious of online trends and fads and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, you know, nonsense that goes around. And just because it worked for this one person doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work for you or, you know, so on and so forth. You know, Everybody's, don't, don't, different. Everybody's different. Yeah. Don't, don't just jump into fads because – that's what your social media decided to show you that day. And it just keeps pushing it on you because you keep looking at it and, you know, and same goes for training too, you know, even Mm -hmm. same training. Some people are going to say, this is the best exercise ever. And maybe that exercise doesn't feel great for you. And the one that he said he didn't like feels great. You know, you have a good mind to muscle with, you're seeing growth. Stick to that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely look at your own results and progress more based on what you're doing than the progress and results of what other people are doing because you have no idea all of the other factors that goes into their results. Yep. And I think going off of that, it's important to be conscious of what's going on with your body and how you are feeling. 
um, based on what you eat, like pay attention to your hunger between meals. I mean, even if you're not tracking, just pay attention to how you're responding to food and how you're sleeping, all the little things that we kind of overlook. Let's see here. I think we've pretty much, we've kind of bounced around a little bit, but I think we've pretty much hit everything that we want to talk about. Yeah, it's been good. Um, I think this has been a really good episode, whether you're a guy that's been around for a while or you've been, uh, or you're a new guy. How long do you usually go for on these? These episodes could be, you know, 40 minutes. They could be two and a half hours. Um, (laughs) It really, some, some conversations have deeper rabbit holes than others. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it really just kind of depends on, you know, the individual themselves as well. Some people podcast better than others. Not to say that you are a bad podcaster, just because our time might be shorter than others. But you know, some people just naturally conversate really well. Um, yeah, you've been really good so far, I'd say. Um, hey, I appreciate it. First time around, for sure. A lot of guys would get on here. Um, I've noticed on this podcast or even other podcasts, and they kind of just they have to take really long pauses and think about things and the conversation doesn't really flow well, but we've done, we've done pretty good. Just kind of flowing with it so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. We talked about getting started health considerations. Finish room. Um, about, um, just making a presence on social media. I mean, I know you made your account posting stuff and I made mine. What's kind of your opinion on starting with that? I think, I think social medias are really good um, as so long as you do it for the right reasons. And I would also tell people not just because if you're just now starting your fitness journey, don't start a social media page right away. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Take those pictures, take your videos, but keep them to yourself. Wait till you're a little bit more experienced in your fitness journey um, and you've been around for a little bit and you've kind of learned from others before you do that. Just because... If you're if you start off in the beginning and you make your social media and you get into it a little bit and you either drop off or you become, you know, self-conscious about things and whatnot, social media will not help that. You need to have a little bit of I'll call it gym maturity and confidence, confidence. that kind of comes over onto the social media side. Yeah, I agree. You don't need to add another stress into your life when you're first starting out. You just need to focus on adding that new element of fitness into your current life and making sure you enjoy it and, and I then think, loving it then once yeah. you're loving learning then go ahead and you know if it's something you want to do and i think you know running a social media page is kind of specifically around that one that helps you connect to other people which then it grows your positive sphere of influence but also just makes things fun like making yeah. little edits and you know messing with fo- uh, photos and whatnot and putting filters on like that kind of stuff's fun and it boosts your self-confidence and um, and you I, never know what connections and opportunities come out of things. You know, you have no idea. It's usually nothing negative comes out of it as long as you're not misusing it. And, you know, you normally – you will develop more – and this could go for anything. This could go for the tactical guys listening, the, the fitness guys. I say guys a lot, guys. Gals included. Gals, you're guys. This is <laughs> yeah, an equal on. opportunity podcast. Yeah. yeah um, we're going to have a lot of gals listen to this one. <laughs> um, oh, where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, um, as, as you, as you do these types of things and you, you learn yourself and as you begin to mature with this and you begin to like help others, it increases your abilities and you know, your journey even, even more in a sense, being a good follower and then turning into a good leader, um, or teacher, which will then once again, boost you to the next level past that. 
Yes. Um, and that was yeah. a really weird wraparound to where we got to there. But no, yes. I agree with that. And just even off of that, like I said, opening doors is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, the friendships, the relationships, to business opportunities, to whoever knows what else. That is a big thing is, is business opportunities because you may be an individual that has a certain uh, charisma to them or certain traits or whatever that you may not know of if you've never went, you know, down the social media path and, you know, there's other opportunities that present themselves in life to you. Right. And with the current world, I mean, it, it's technology is just taken over. So it, it really doesn't hurt to have somewhat of an online presence, even if it's not something huge. Unless you're like us and you just get banned all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how's your battle been with that? Oh man, it's constant. It's a constant battle, um, and I don't. And I purposely like don't post anything too crazy or anything. Like I try to keep it like purely educational based, and it doesn't really matter. You fall into an algorithm, and you're just kind of continuously targeted. What all platforms are you using right now? Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, which I don't really use. I, I don't. I'm not as active on the Facebook as I am the Instagram, just because the interaction isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um. And then YouTube um, is really one of our bigger ones. Instagram's probably the biggest now that we're back on there and we're starting to grow back again. Um, but YouTube's been the only one that really hasn't given us any troubles yet. I've heard YouTube is pretty chill. YouTube is pretty. YouTube is pretty chill. They they have rules, but they don't really sh- enforce the really, rules a lot. That's the best way to. Um, I know speaking from a monetary zone, I think once you have a thousand views, you can start getting paid or a thousand subscribers. Yeah, if I if I remember correctly, it was something like that, and it, you're not really making much of anything. No, but at least in the game. But as as you grow, yeah, the opportunity is there a lot more. I, I've noticed that the connection to things, um, the co- the connections you make through that kind of stuff, is better sometimes than like Instagram or anything like that, depending on the market that you're in. Yeah, I thought cool. about making YouTube, but I don't really have that type of scenery going on. I feel like where I need to. Yeah, because with YouTube people like businesses or like um, other influencer stuff. I feel like they reach out to you more through your YouTube content than your like Instagram or Facebook contents. Yeah. Just because there's a different essence to YouTube. You can, you can bull crap your way through social media posts and, you know, writing and copy and paste and all that kind of stuff. But when you see someone make a YouTube video, like you see what What they they really are and what they really know. True that. Um, and I guess podcast is pretty cool too. Wait for you to speak your mind a bit. Podcast is a big one. You gotta be careful because they will. What's up? How long have you been doing these for? The podcast. Yeah. Let's see, we started the podcast. I think our first episode was in the middle of April. Middle of April, beginning of May. And okay. I had contemplated doing a podcast for the business for a while, but after we all took the really big band hammer on instagram in march and like a ton of like firearms and self-defense and like fitness pages were targeted that had anything controversial to say period um i was kind of like i need to expand like where my voice can be heard in a sense so that's when i decided to do the podcast yeah absolutely um here go ahead um it's a lot of work though you know social youtube is specifically a lot of work um there's coming up with ideas to post consistently because the way the algorithms and whatnot work with social media, but also YouTube is the more free there's, there's like a golden line. The more frequently you put out content, the more likely that platform is to boost your content and show it to non followers. But if you post too often, then they kind of push you back down. 
I, I think that's a general with them with a lot of different platforms. And you know, YouTube is the same way. If you make consistent content, uh, you're you get better viewings. But I noticed right now, where like, if I look back to like the end of 2021, where I was pushing out one video every day of the week, the same day of the week, almost the exact same time, my view counts were a lot higher. But then when it kind of started becoming spotty, like, oh, I did a video this day, and then four days later, and then eight days later, and it kind of became inconsistent, the viewings dropped. Um, well, who else is involved with running these accounts? Is it just you or, I mean? I run, as of right now, I run all of the accounts. For our medical classes, I have an assistant instructor that helps me with the classes. But as far as social media goes, I run all of the social medias. How Jesus! How many hours does that take you normally weekly? A lot, a lot. Yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't stop, dude. <laughs> it's go, go, go from the second I wake up to the second it, I go to bed. It's stuff you enjoy though, too. You know, it's it is. more. It's not necessarily work in your mind. I'm sure. No, not really. Um, it is, it is, it is frustrating sometimes trying to think of content to come up with. <laughs> of course, you have to, even I struggle with that. Because you can't always just post like fun stuff. I very much like posting educational content, but at the same time. I like to try to make sure that it's presented well. Um, and it's not just like jumbling nonsense, whether that's Instagram or that's YouTube. Right. I um, think being able to give some value is going to help continue to grow your account a ton because I mean, that's really your target audience. People that are trying to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and back when in March, like, you know, when we lost all of our social media, I realized how much I enjoyed making content when I could no longer make content. Yeah, what was that like? How long was that period for? Let's see. I was off social media for like, I'd say probably close to a full month, which sucked because we got we got banned off social media like 36 hours before the um, drop of one of our new medical products, which absolutely killed pre-orders. Like, I mean, it died which was really like hard, like mentally. Cause I was like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Like I put all this work into this months of advertising and hyping all this stuff up. And now everybody lost all contact with me. Cause all my social media was gone. Yeah. That is absolutely horrible to hear, dude. And like, and I, and I think like I told you before, like we weren't banned for anything specific. There was just hundreds, if probably not thousands of accounts that just one second, one day, everybody disappeared all at the same exact time. Which is it's, crazy. So how, it's so annoying how you can build something up like that and then a simple click of a button you can just be gone i mean that's the mm-hmm. the shame of letting them have all the power with it you know because it wasn't even like you know just firearm account owners i know like a lot of like fitness accounts or yeah like motivation accounts and stuff like that like it i don't know why it's just we all fell into some big algorithm in a sense and then we all got targeted it was very weird very yeah, weird. You have those shadow bands going on too, where you just won't, your people won't see what you're posting too. You're not mm-hmm. getting blocked. Yeah, and sometimes you fight shadow bands, which is annoying within itself. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, I don't let it keep me down. Yeah, I've got to re, try and rebuild a bunch of followers and reconnect to people to build the exposure again so people find our content, find our education, and you know, find our products and stuff like that. But it's, it's all part of the journey, and, and I kind of knew you know, when this really started to take off and I got serious with this, it, which that was just going to be a reality for this. Mm-hmm. Um, You're growing at a fast rate again. It looks like it's back up to like almost 2000 or something, right? Yeah. The business account is back up to almost 2000, which we had just crossed the 2000 mark for the business before the ban. 
And nice. then my owner operator page, we were over 5,000 for that. Um, and I'm trying to rebuild for, for that one. Um, and, and I don't really concern myself a ton with follower account, uh, follower count. Yeah. yeah. Like I want a good amount of followers cause I want our exposure to be, I, I want the exposure. Um, and I want people to be able to view our content, but like, I'm not like, I need 100,000 followers. Like that, just, <laughs> like that just seems silly to me. Yeah. You as, can't have cool. as long as I'm positively affecting, you know, a small crowd of people at the end of the day, I'm happy. Yeah. That's the goal. Same on my end. Yep. Change some lives, man. What about, I'm going to look you up. What are you, what's your follower account sitting at right now? Oh, uh, I think I'm at like 9,100 or something. Your, your account should be way bigger than it is. <laughs> you think so? I think so. I mean, you're at 9,000 followers, which if I remember correctly, back in like the spring, you were not that high. No, dude. No. Um, I actually had one reel that got like 4.6 million and that gave me thousands of followers. So that bumped me up a bunch. The reels, the reels are really good for building Hitting presence on social media. Yeah. I mean, that's the way to hit the algorithm and get, get to a different audience too. It's a lot to keep up with. Um, I don't know. And then different times of day too. I mean, I notice at like 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. most weekdays is going to hit it the best if you're doing a reel. For sure. But, but you can like technically you can get with that stuff. But like looking at your content from like where your show when your show was back um, was your show in December? Was it December? October. October. Okay. So back at the fall, if you look at your content before that and you look at your content since your show it's changed a ton it's, it's yeah. very much improved which which is big for social media absolutely yeah getting a camera and high quality stuff was definitely a smart move on my end mm-hmm. um yeah i think just consistency and also utilizing um the reels feature was probably the biggest thing mm-hmm. you have you have a couple ones that hit you know i have a couple that have gone over 100k and anytime they do that, you're, you're going to just go off to a new audience and then they're going to click on your profile and see your content. If they like it, they follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how that works. But if you're just posting straight up pictures, it's kind of directed mostly just to your followers and it kind of gets the spread by mouth, which is hard and slow. I know I'm going to be investing a little bit of money into like the audio equipment for our YouTube videos. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I record all of our YouTube videos actually on my iPhone right now, which is which has a very <laughs> high quality camera. Oh yeah, um, but the audio portion is the part is the part that normally falls behind the curve. So I want to try and get something that's going to be a little bit more clear, kind of eliminate those background noises and you know those kind of like those hisses and hums that you kind of hear in video sometimes. Yes, um, and lighting, lighting is high a huge. Quality, everything is going to be better I, I would invest in it right away man i mean you got a big message you're portraying everybody yeah it all comes down to <laughs> it all kind of comes down to to funds and funds and money at the same time though yes i i've done a fairly good job for the most part of making sure that i don't go into debt to fund the business of course if that if that means delaying a certain project or a certain thing that may boost my content quality then that kind of is what it is um because right. i'm not i'm not i'm not at the point where i'm making a ton of money or getting orders for products every single day um so it's it's all process it's a, it's a building process yeah what are and all I, the products you're offering so right now uh our most popular one are, is probably our patches like our morale patches the minuteman patches 
But my favorite of our products that we're selling right now is the trauma IFACs. So we have these IFACs that we partnered with North American Rescue for. Uh, nice. For those of Larry's followers that don't know that, North American Rescue is like one of the biggest um, medical gear producers in the country. They make all the medical gear for, you know, the military, EMS, like all like the tactical stuff, you know, things that you, you treat massive injuries with. Mm-hmm. Um, we partnered with them and created an IFAC that comes, you know, compact but is is purpose built um it it is made to treat all five steps of march which march is a algorithm for treating casualties during like a um, a traumatic injury Um, that was probably my favorite right now we did have another one which was kind of like a general first aid kit type thing i was gonna say i thought you guys had some emergency kits like that we did and that one has seller i mean that's pretty useful i haven't really talked about this on the social media bunch but the producer that made our kits we went with like a a small a small business guy you know a guy that you know didn't have this big company or whatever because we were like all right we're going to support you know a small business whatever to make these pouches um he completely dropped the ball on it i'll be very honest um long story made long story made short he went through multiple phases of creating a prototype we finally got to a prototype that um, I liked. We agreed on it, wrote up a contract moving forward, agreed to a price. The He fell behind on the delivery dates multiple times. And, you know, there was eventually a point where I was like, hey, man, like, we're behind on the delivery date. And it's pushing back me opening this up to, you know, our consumer base, right. which, was before, which was before I lost my social media. Yeah. Um, and Vic products were eventually sent to me the pouches and they lost all quality there were things about them that changed um, really yeah it, i don't know what happened between the the final prototypes that i used to fulfill pre-orders and then what happened with the bulk delivery of the pouches but did you look at other companies i have i have been thinking about partnering with some other companies to do it the problem is just funds at the moment because i lost out on all the money for this because he basically you invested a lot into that too he screwed up this order and then like ghosted me just kept it all yep because i only i only paid him a portion of it up front which basically just which basically just cost the the materials to produce them Uh, but it was still a fair amount of money and now i have all these pouches that i don't want to sell to the market because i'm not confident in the product um so i took the hit and was like until i can make sure that this is perfect before we send them out to people again um, I'm just going to take them off the store. Um, so once we get some funds allocated for that, I'm going to move forward with pushing those again. But the the big thing that we will probably be focused on in the f- that we are now and in the future is going to be classes and instructional periods. Okay, um, I, I would say that's pretty smart too, especially locally. Which is kind of hard right now, just with the way the economy is, because some people can't you know justify spending the money to. Um, you know, take a training class or something, even if it is fairly affordable, which I think our classes are. I was going to say, I, I, every time I looked at anything you offer, it's very affordable. It just needs to be bring supplies, right? No, we, we provide all the supplies for our classes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what, what classes do you offer? If you want to talk a little bit about that. For people yeah, right, right now, um, the big one that we're doing is our medical response one class, which is uh, a class designed for both professionals and civilians, and it basically gives you a really wide span of both like 
mental knowledge and physical skills to treat um, injuries and in patients from, you know, boo-boo stuff and like wilderness injuries all the way to like different types of levels of trauma. Um, mm-hmm. And we do a ton of hands-on stuff with that. We have a ton of equipment that we've invested into this. Um, but right now it really, what killed us was just losing the exposure in March. Like I said, I, I've, I'm still down five or 6,000 followers worth of exposure. Right. But it's on its way back, man. It's on its way back. It's it's past that here soon. Yeah. It's a process. We have a, we have another class coming up in September. Is it September? Is it September or August? I should know this off the top of my head when my next class is. (laughs) Um, Again, man. Say what? I said, me and you need to go shooting again. I loved learning from you that day. Yeah. When you, me and Jack went. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, my next, our next class for the medical response is August 28th, which is a Sunday and it's here in Northern Kentucky. It's in Fort Thomas. Nice. Um, but yeah, for sure. I definitely want to get Jack on for an episode at some point in time too, and just kind of yeah, hit some, some different it. topics because Jack's really knowledgeable as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we spent countless years doing this stuff, so happy to mm-hmm. share. Uh, is there any kind of closing remarks that you want to hit on any advice to anybody? You think we hit it all? Um, yeah, really, just for those starting out, start small and um, have fun with it before you start getting overwhelmed and trying to get super sciencey and specific with stuff, I think, is a great way to start. Um, and then, you know, as you grow into it, don't be afraid to ask questions and gain confidence and research stuff. I mean, you can go on the Internet and YouTube and books out there and learn so much more than you might see on, you know, just average social media. And then even in addition to that, using social media, you can learn a ton as well. So there's really not a ton of excuses not to learn a little bit about this. For sure. And please, my followers, um, you know, Larry's information, like his social media and whatnot will be in the description of this video, you know, reach out to him, give him some support, give him a follow. Um, if you got questions, you know, shoot him his way. Or if, when we do our open questions on our stories, if you have questions about fitness stuff, I may ask Larry, whatever it may be. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to him. He's a friendly guy. Yep. Please do. I love it. All right, buddy. This has been a pleasure. Do you want to give any, uh, I normally at the end of these, at these podcasts, I, I like to open it up for shout outs. Is there any shout outs you want to give? <laughs> um, I don't have any at the top of my head, man, honestly, but I guess shout out to all my boys. <laughs> shout out to the boys. Always the boys. And my mom, of course. There, you know, there's a lot of people that shout out their moms in podcasts. Yeah, I was going to shout out my mom, but there's absolutely no chance my mom hears this. So <laughs> it's, the, it's really the thought that counts. Yeah, I guess. Uh, as always for us, shout out to Max over the Undesirable Individuals Podcast and shout out to Dave over at Polar Connection. Um, without, without you guys, this podcast wouldn't be a thing. So, And you guys are always super supportive of me, so thank you guys. Um, one thing I will uh, shout out for everybody is Archangel Tactical Medicine. Uh, he is putting on an event, or I guess I should say he's hosting an event for, let me go back and look at it, for um, Deliver Fund, which is an organization that is aimed at stopping human trafficking and sex trafficking and stuff like that. Um, they, we are, they are holding a range day, kind of a day of education and whatnot in Ohio, just outside Cleveland in October. Um, so definitely head over there again. That's the, the, the deliver fund. You can find their Instagram at deliver fund or at deliver fund range day. 
go give them some support, give them a follow, uh, make a donation if you can, um, and kind of read up on them. They're, you know, they're trying to make a difference as far as the whole human trafficking thing goes. Uh, so definitely go support the cause for that. Absolutely. And All thanks right, for being on, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. I'm glad we got to have you on. We'll have to get, we got to get another lift in here soon. I'd love I miss, it. I miss the Dixie boys. I need to go shooting here. And we need to go I'm, shooting as well. We'll make, we'll make it a whole day. Yeah. How many people normally tune into these? Uh, it kind of, it kind of varies because it's, it's across multiple platforms. So, you know, on Instagram, I'm sorry, on Spotify, it may get a couple hundred followers, uh, or I'm sorry, listeners on this episode. And then on YouTube, it may only have a hundred listeners, but then the next episode may have a couple hundred listeners on YouTube. And then the Spotify ones may only get a couple hundred and gotcha. so it's across different platforms right now. That way anybody can view it from, you know, different smart you know, move on your reasons. Try. All right, guys, that is all for episode seven, fitness, health, and you as always train hard, train often. Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder Call me what you wanna but you can't call me no coward Strength in numbers, we the people still the ones with power Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours Tell me turn it down